0: It is a two-pod kind of day here at Illini Inquirer as... Illinois basketball gets Kofi Coburn back and Derek Piper and I talked about that earlier today almost an hour long podcast this will be a little bit shorter because Ryan Easterling and I have beers to drink I have kids to bathe before I have beers to drink but uh, Illinois has reasons to drink some beers this week Ryan, uh, two great gets in this class that I want to recap what a week for Illinois football recruitings they had two of their top five commits in this class if you go by the rankings but I think you and I are, are both high on both of these guys Sean Miller, top 500 prospect, just announced on Instagram. He has picked Illinois, the highest ranked commit in the Illini's class. And uh, just a couple of days ago, they got Aiden Lawfrey as well. Joey and I weighed in on that, but I'm, I'm looking forward to getting your opinion on him as well, Ryan. But Sean Miller's a, a nice addition to this class at a at a big position of need. And, and my biggest thing is my takeaway of this all is more, look at what they've done with a wide receiver room. You know, you add Sean Miller who I, I don't know if they thought they were getting a couple weeks ago, but they're able to land him, Adam Ashton Hollins, Ian Pugh, and Hank Beatty, and on top of Jafar Armstrong, on top of Marquez Beeson and Isaiah Williams. This has been the position I've been almost most concerned with, and they have revamped this room, Brett Beal, Tony Peterson,
1: and George McDonald most of all. You know, George McDonald is juiced right now. He's had a good recruiting cycle so far between the transfer market, some guys changing position, and then obviously adding some of these guys that they've gotten um, in the 2022 class. And so, you know, you said it. I don't know that two weeks ago you think you get either of those guys, Aiden Lawry or Sean Miller, uh, but sometimes things just fall your way. And, you know, I think they've done a really, really good job of just staying in there at the end and and keeping guys' minds open, and then when it comes time to seal the deal, they seal the deal. Um, you know, I and I the thing I think that is, is best about this wide receiver class is every guy brings something different to the table. They don't really have duplicates of any of any one guy. They each have unique skill sets that they bring to the table. Beatty is an ex- excellent route runner, runs underneath stuff. Same with Sean Miller. Sean Miller's a little bigger. Can stretch the field. And then you got Ashton Hollins, who absolutely has rockets in his shoes, a 4 3 guy. And then Ian Pugh, uh, you know, I think once he adds some weight is going to be a serious matchup problem. He's just a great athlete, uh, great frame. And he's just right now, he's just a little light. Mm-hmm. But once he adds some weight, I mean, man, that guy is gonna put, gonna be really, really good. He's just got skill all over. So, I, I really like what they've done. And then, obviously, getting Aiden Law for you, a guy like that, especially when you beat Iowa, that's that's bragging rights for Brett Beal, isn't it?
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. I thought that was that was a big time win. I think this one is as well because you know the. The competition was stiff here. I mean, his top five was a really good list of schools. Arizona, he's from there. That's in his backyard. Uh, He went to IMG Academy, of course, but Michigan State, another Big Ten program. West Virginia felt like the leader through most of this recruitment. And, of course, Indiana, who missed out on a wide receiver earlier today. Um, And, and obviously, their passing attack has been great, and they had a, a great season last year. I will say it seemed like certain things went their way. It felt like, you know, the longer this recruitment went on, the better it ended up for Illinois. Now, Illinois has been in on him for a, since March. They got in a little bit later, but they have put, been putting the pedal to the metal. But it sounds like West Virginia and Sean Miller, for some reason, it just didn't work out when they looked like the leader for a while. Michigan State filled up on wide receivers. Arizona wasn't pushing as hard. Indiana was pushing for Greg Gaines, who went to Iowa State today. And there's Illinois the entire way, pushing, pushing, pushing. And they had three wide receivers, which is what I thought, they were going to take in this class, but he was too good to pass up on. Illinois was like, why would these other schools pass up on him uh, if that were the case? And uh, that's not to denigrate their pitch because i think they did an unbelievable job and they they felt like home they sold him on the business school which is uh you know he wants to get into the business school at, at geese which is obviously one of the best public universities undergraduate programs so i, I think the pitch was great and in certain things fell their way and that's what you got to do ryan you, you push in these recruitments for their tier 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 one targets and you hope you're in the battle at the end and and maybe things go your way and that certainly seems to be the case with with Sean Miller and and maybe Aiden Loffrey's part of that as well but they recruited those guys well and were able to close which is a credit to this staff
1: yeah I think this is a prime example of never give up because you never know what can happen so always always stay recruiting until that guy tells you no the last time uh, you know, I had a chance to meet with him. I posted about this a few times. I had a chance to meet with Sean Miller down at IMG in May. And this was prior to his visits when he had, he had started selecting his visits, uh, was getting everything set up. And I came away from that conversation with the vibe that West Virginia had the edge. I, I really did. You know, he, I felt like he just talked about them slightly differently than some of the other schools, uh, you know They had been on him for a long time. Illinois got to the game a little bit late just because of the coaching transition. But you could tell from the start that the Illinois' cell really resonated with him. You can tell it, too. He, he and his whole family are very tight. They're very close. And I think that family cell, where they recruited not just him, but his entire family, his sister, his mom, that relationship was built there. That was one of the things he talked about when he gave his announcement a bit ago, was that that relationship building really stood out to him. And I think... The fact that they did that from start to finish, recruited not only him, but his mom, his sister, his whole family, that really made a difference in this recruitment. So, and and to your point, too, the business school, they got very particular and specific, making some edits for him, you know, kind of showing him behind the desk in some lavish office. But they, it was this guy's got his own trademark. He's already got his own trademark, right? Yeah, he's got his logo. So, he's already a step ahead on NIL, right? But, but I mean, I, again, it's just one of those where, They, I think they hit the right notes, and that that idea of family wasn't just lip service. It was, it was legitimate. And one of the things that Ian Pugh told me when after you know he went on his visit was that they knew not only his name but his his all his family's name, and they even knew his dog's name. Mm -hmm. And so like he brought his dog on the visit. They knew his dog's name, and that was just something that stood out. But it shows that like the intentionality of their recruiting approach is striking a note with these guys. And I think that's really giving them a leg up that maybe some of the previous staffs haven't had.
0: Yeah. I'm a process guy, Ryan. Right. Right. Like, and they might've missed on some of these guys, including Austin Brown, but I couldn't find a flaw or a big issue with the process. Right. In the past, my issue has been with the process with Illinois. Like I understand Illinois, man, like it's tough. It's tough to get some of these top kids um, you know, you're able to land Beeson, Williams, some guys like that, but it's tough. Like if other schools, bigger schools come in like Ohio State or Michigan or even the Michigan States of the world in previous years, like it's tough to win those battles. And I felt that way with Austin Brown and Wisconsin, but Like The process was flawed with some of those guys that had offers that were similar to Illinois in the the past, where it's like the head coach wasn't involved enough, the offensive line coach wasn't involved enough, or it was only one person recruiting him and not the entire staff that is not an issue here like every uh, i is dotted t is crossed everybody is involved in this recruitment so while george mcdonald should get a lot of credit for these wide receivers the entire staff is really in on this approach and um i, I think the process has been really sound and that's why i think is really encouraging that if you can get a good foundation if you can have a solid year this year and then all of a sudden you show progress you get some guys drafted you win some games then the cell becomes easier and then the process takes care of itself. Where if you're wowing parents like Sean Miller's mom, was talking to Joy Wagner about it. She couldn't rave about Illinois more and what they did that weekend. And it's something you hear from all of these parents. Um, and, and I didn't hear that all the time from from Illinois or all of these other visits. Like, Illinois does do things that stand out. I was talking with Aiden Lawfrey's dad the other day, and he said, Illinois, like, it was just everybody you could talk to, and they knew everything about you, and it just felt comfortable. Uh, And that's so important. That's so important. And and that'll translate to bigger recruitments in in the future. So uh, I think the process is, is really sound. So getting to Sean Miller, though. What does he bring on the field, Ryan? I agree with you. I think he's different than these wide receivers, which is why I think it's easier to take him at this point, not only because he's a great player, but because he is different than Hank Beatty. He's a little bit bigger, right? Ashton Hollins, Ian Pugh, um, maybe he's a little bit quicker in and out of his breaks and has a little bit more strength, it seems like, at this point. So what do you see on film?
1: Yeah. Physically he's built kind of like an outfielder in baseball. And, you know, one of the things he told me when we were down there talking, is he used to play baseball and thought that there was a possibility he could become a really good baseball player. It's just, he ended up focusing on football, but I think a lot of those talents that make for a good outfielder as far as just being able to, to run, uh, change direction and, and move quickly in a new direction, cut plant and pursue, um, really make him a good receiver too. And I, when I watched his film, I saw a lot of the same things that Blair Angulo our uh, West region analyst said in his article, as far as just, he's a great underneath route runner. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can get open quick. He can get separation just with his, with his body control and his movement. He's got a good one cut and burst move to him. Um, you know, he's got good reliable hands. He's got, I, I think he's a guy that could really probably do some damage with double moves at the next level, Um, You know, I I think you run him deep every now and then, but I don't think he has to be that deep threat all the time. Uh, But he's just a guy that can get open and in past Brett Bielema offenses, being able to convert on second and third down has been huge. Uh, you know, extending drives, maintaining control of the ball and basically dictating the pace of the game has kind of been Brett Biele MO throughout his career. And I think Miller is the type of weapon that, that gives you that opportunity to really uh, control the football, convert on third and short, third and medium and have a guy that your quarterback can feel really, really comfortable going to whenever he needs a, a, a conversion. So I think Miller brings a lot of those, those qualities to the table.
0: Yeah, it's something I wrote in my What It Means is that slot position, and he can play on the outside, I think, at times too. And I think you'll see Donnie Navarro do that with this staff. Um, but that's been an issue, right? Like they, they just haven't had guys who are both crafty and explosive. Um, so they, they got to find guys who can be that um, you know reliable guy down to down because man they've gotten in third and long a lot here right and, and obviously that's a, that's a coordinator's job an offensive coordinator's job to change that uh, an offensive line running games job but um, the slot position looks like it's much improved right when when you have options like Isaiah Williams they think is going to be one of the best players on the team all right so like expectations are really high and I've tried to like contain myself but like what you hear is that he's one of the best players on the team he's in the starting lineup right week one uh, so that's a, that's a huge improvement. Donnie Navarro we know can play there and be a solid option for you. Hank Beatty down the line has some speed, right? I think he's got some Navarro-like things, but with more speed. And then a guy like Sean Miller, who you can line up in there as well. Um, it's been an issue. They've missed a, on a lot of guys. Mookie Cooper, A.J. Henning, Reggie Roberson I thought could have played in there a little bit, but um, that 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 position especially has upgraded. And then the long term, you got guys like Hollins and Pugh and, and Miller can play out there. Jafar Armstrong in the next couple of years on the perimeter. Uh, It just feels like the options are are far better now and and maybe higher ceiling down the line.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing to keep in mind too with the slot receivers now is they're not going to have to do everything because Illinois has already shown that they're going to use tight ends more and that the tight ends are going to be a bigger factor in the passing game. So, you know, that frees up these slot receivers to run some different routes. They don't necessarily have to do all the same things that, the tight ends previously would have been doing. I I think you're going to see some, some more unique route trees in Tony Peterson's offense. And I think you're going to see these slot receivers get some opportunities to run some different routes that'll get them open um, and, you know, free up some of the guys on the outside for those deeper routes, manipulate safeties around on the field and really spread out the defense a little bit to create some one-on-one matchups or possibly some mismatches uh, deeper down the field
0: yeah all right, Ryan when we come back, let's talk about you know Aiden Lawfrey and what he brings to this offense as well and then what's uh, they can add on the defensive side of the ball because now it's 13 of 15 players in this class are offensive prospects. that'll that'll be next on the online choir podcast.
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: All right, Ryan, Aiden lawfrey is one of my favorite prospects in this class. Um, I just think he's a really good football player with blazing speed. And I like the, that combination of those two things. I think he can play running back. Uh, he talked about Illinois staff saying he could play in slot, and I think he he could do that for some uh, snaps. And I think he could play safety as well. I think he's a good safety prospect. So what do you think of Aiden lawfrey and uh, Illinois adding him?
1: Uh, he's just kind of a dude. I mean, he's, he can play, he can do it all. Um, I, I think early on he'll get opportunities in some capacity to get on the field, whether it's in special teams or, you know, in certain situations on, on either offense or even potentially defense. I mean, I watched his tape and, and both his offensive and defensive tape was, was impressive to me. So I, I honestly, I mean, I think he probably gets first first right refusal on offense, but man, I I'm with you. I think he can make a damn good safety. Um, I see a lot of similarities to, you know, pray Hudson probably with more speed, but he's just a guy that flies to the football and that speed. He, he closes quick. And in a defense like this, where there's a lot of pressure on the safeties to, to chase, read, react and chase down the football. I really see a guy like him, uh, you know, or somebody with his skill set playing a vital role in that defense. So, you know, I, I know he'd make a great offensive player, but, I really want to see what he can do on defense almost.
0: Yeah. I I'm looking at my notes here, Ryan, from when I saw his game this spring and I I wrote about his defense. I I, I wrote, man, he laid a hit that caused a deflection for an interception, tossed a lineman aside in the open field. uh, And I just said, he's got the speed to come up and make plays. So like I marked it down then, like I was, Watching him as running back, and he's really good there. Um, can cut. He's got good power, good good speed and acceleration. Uh, he's one of the best sprinters in the state. But I just wrote it down that I think this kid can play defense, too. So I think, you know, Jordan Anderson, I feel that way, too. I think he can play running back. But if they don't want him there, and, you know, Josh McRae ends up being awesome. And that kid is huge, by the way. I saw him the other day in person. Um, and he's pretty fast, too, for his size if Jordan Anderson, they can move him to the edge linebacker and be an edge rusher, potentially a defensive end. Uh, I like that. I like having those guys that are just really good athletes, good football players uh, with good traits. So uh, I think that that's a plus for for them. But, I mean, that running back room now with Lawfree added to it, you know, you think long-term because Chase Brown is already on NFL radars. Chase Aiden, Mike Epstein, a year or two each. Uh, but Reggie Love, Aiden Loffrey, Josh McCray, Jordan Anderson – looks like a pretty, pretty strong class. And Nick Fadonzo, I don't want to forget about him because he was a good sprinter in high school and has good size. And I saw him yesterday at the lift for life. And uh, he's, he's a good looking athlete. He's added a lot of strength.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to me, the running back room has almost turned into a little bit of what the New York Giants used to have with their earth, wind and fire running back or running back room that had like Brandon Jacobs in it. They had a little bit of everything and a couple of those guys had some really good power. And I mean, I, man, I really want to see Jordan Anderson run the football because I just think if I was a defensive player and I saw him coming full speed at me, I don't want to tackle him. It's going to hurt. And chances are, if I have to tackle him 15 to 20 times a game, I'm going to hate it. So if it's me, I'd like to see him stay on the offensive side of the ball. I, you know, given the, the, the complete imbalance right now in the class of offensive to defensive prospects, I think there are going to be some guys that inevitably end up on the defensive side of the ball, but they've got some guys that can play and, you know, all these guys are, are good offensive players that they've got their offensive commits right now. Um, and, you know, I think it may just depend on where they, where they end up needed and some tough conversations as far as like, Hey, where do you really want to see yourself? We you know we know you're good here. We know this is your passion, but we think you can be a really good player here and make some money down the line yep. playing in the league if you switch to this side of the ball.
0: Uh, I just want to make a note. I, I just looked this up. Um, the 24-7 sports recruiter, recruiter rankings, which you know, again, we give credit to certain assistants when some of the whole staff should get uh, credit. But uh, because these guys have a lot of commits, of course, they're ranked a little bit higher. Bart Miller is ranked 18th in the big 10 with his four commits and George McDonald is ranked 22nd in the big 10 with four commits. I can tell you recently, Ryan, Illinois coaches have not been in the top 40 or 50 of of the big (laughs) 10. So uh, that's a good start to this class. Uh, Let's talk about the defense, Ryan. Like they do need prospects there. I'm not freaking out yet. Like, I know that could be the thing. I think it's more of a good sign that you have 13 offensive prospects committed on board going into training camp or media days, right? Like, I think that's, that's more the positive than a negative of the defensive prospects because you still do have a lot of A targets uh, on the board. But I do think this fall, you're going to have to see the staff evaluate, probably uh, widen the net a little bit. But a defensive line, they seem like Brian Allen, Sela Brown, those are your top two guys and Cella Brown like said he was gonna make a decision in July, but like he's not being recruited like a four-star prospect right now like it, and Illinois keeps pushing. I think that that'd be smart if Illinois keeps pushing here um, maybe like Miller, you end up getting the guy and you, and you get a headliner in this class. Uh, linebacker, I think you're more likely to look for a transfer. At the edge spot, I think middle linebacker, you won't add another piece. Defensive back is the place where you need to add some pieces. You added a lot in 2021. I think Kinoto Hudson did a pretty good job there. But they're shooting their shot pretty high here. Cody Jones, Jaden Mangum, Elijah McCantos, Anthony Brown. Uh, If they get one of those guys, you'd feel good. But I think they'll add at least two DBs in this class. But I think two defensive linemen, two DBs, and maybe another edge rusher.
1: Yeah. Uh, just a rehash. what We've said before, I think they need to get some bodies up front because especially on the interior, the defensive line, you've got Rod Perry and Calvin Avery. And then other than that, I mean, it's starts to get a lot more uncertain. Uh, you've got a couple guys that are, they're younger, but you don't really have that true gap stuffing nose tackle that you want in that type of scheme. So I think that they do need to add some bodies there. I mean, it's not sounding great on the Kenneth grant front. sounds like he's got a top three that doesn't have Illinois in it. And, It'd be really tough sledding to try and get back in there, but
0: can I can I throw this out there? Like just because you're talking about it, um, nose guard those are hard to find, right? Like oh, yeah. high school nose guards are really hard to find to be so big and so athletic. I feel like that. Like I, I agree with you. They need bodies up front. Um, because they're losing bodies, but I think the transfer market is where we should be focusing our attention, um, especially nose guard and potentially another edge rusher. Because I, adding another one with Beatty and Dwayne Johnson, like, I'm not expecting Dwayne Johnson or Beatty to make an impact next year. They need somebody along with Seth Coleman you know, to, to be the guy next year. And I don't know if it's Ezekiel Holmes on the roster, Dwayne Johnson, are you going with? Like, I think that spot is a transfer. Uh, And I wouldn't be surprised. Nose guard, maybe they'll find somebody because I I don't think – obviously, Cella Brown is not a nose guard if you've seen him. Uh, Brian Allen is is not a nose guard. Those are more three techniques or five techniques. Um, So I, I think the transfer market for the defense could be where they fill their needs.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't think that this staff is averse to going to the transfer market by any means. I, I don't think they're going to be nearly as reliant upon it as Lovey staff was because they're doing such a good job recruiting the prep ranks. But if they have a position that, where they really need somebody to fill a key role, just look back at what Bilama did when he was at Wisconsin, bringing in Russell Wilson. I mean, that was kind of the first big name grad transfer that was out there and it, it was a position where they needed somebody to come in and be an impact player. And he was that for them. So, you know, if they have a couple positions where they really need somebody and they target a specific guy for a specific role Then I could see, I could see them going with that, but Corn- know, I don't corners think there's another one.
0: They, they were looking for another corner already. And I know they got a lot of bodies in 2021, 20, all these freshmen, but Who's in Tony Adams, Kendall Smith? That's two or two deep. So I can see and nose on offense now. Yeah, I can see so. nose guard, edge rusher, corner. I, I think those are their two, their three top transfer needs next year.
1: Yeah, and I mean in the prep ranks, they're going to need to get some defensive backs this year. I, I just think if, especially if you're going to a more, a more defensive back heavy, aggressive type defense, you're going to need guys that can really hold it down and be reliable back there. So, and some of those guys, uh, you know, it's been a weird cycle. Because so many of the high school seasons across the country, and I mean, in states like Florida, Texas, it was business as usual, but like there were a lot of states where this, the seasons were kind of hit and miss and not a little bit disjointed. And some guys probably didn't get the exposure and the publicity that they otherwise would have normally. So I think you're going to see maybe a second wave in the fall where uh, some new prospects emerge, hit the radar. And again, as I think I mentioned this last time we did the pod, but you know, Illinois is not especially deep in state this year on defense. It's very, very offense heavy as far as the prospects that are D1 prospects. So, you know, I think they are going to have to look out of state. And so far the emphasis has been in state, but I think they're going to start to look more out of state, widen that net, probably look at states like Florida or other states where they have some connections from previous stops. And I think you'll probably see another wave of official visitors this fall uh especially if they start to win some games i think they'll be able to to land some guys at those positions pretty quickly because buzz will build
0: yeah uh, i just think do you look at the defense and you look at all the names on there perry woods gay carney hansen tony adams prather hudson those are all super seniors right like that i think the transfer market's gonna be big there but they do need more long-term bodies there uh as well um before we, like, we go here, Ryan, let's kind of reset. What do you think? 15 commits. What do you thought of this class overall? Like, right now, I think it's ranked 36th in the country, 8th in the Big Ten. I think those numbers will come down a bit by signing day, right? But what do you think of this foundational
1: class so far? Yeah, the rankings always get a little bit inflated when you have a high volume of commits, but I've really liked what they've gotten so far. You know, there's only, only been a couple guys who, you know, I have a, a, some reservations about, but most of them have been pretty high, high floor guys that I feel are going to be pretty reliable players at the college level. You know, you're not really taking a flyer on on a majority of your class. Like some of the other classes in the past have been, I, you see these guys on tape. They're all as, as Bielma says, tough, smart, dependable players. And I think that idea of having guys that just show up to show up to practice with the lunch pail and work hard and maybe play with a chip on their shoulder, uh, take pride in what they do and are there to play for each other i, I think that's what you're seeing uh, in this class more so than in past years and we've hashed this out before but man like in previous years they'd be lucky to have a handful of commits over the summer and they've already got what four fifteen now mm-hmm. i mean they're they're way further along which really allows you especially as you go to close this class to hone in and focus in on a, a smaller, more focused group of guys and really spend your time and effort in, in closing out and trying to, to hit some home runs maybe down down the stretch as opposed to having to just spend all your effort filling the class just to have bodies uh, in, in the class and on the roster. So I think you can get a little more selective now and try and try and shoot a shot with some guys that uh, maybe you otherwise wouldn't have either had the, the bandwidth to or, or a chance with.
0: Yeah, I look at it and it's kind of kind of a Belham class. Like you look back at his Wisconsin classes, they always ranked. I think every one of them was thirty-two to forty-six. Like every every year, it was like that's that's where they go. It's always top fifty, but never top twenty-five. But it's good football players that they develop that fit their scheme. And this kind of screams that to me. I mean, not a lot of headliners that you know are going to gain national attention, but some good football players, some good Power Five wins, some developmental guys that they think fit their scheme. Whether it's a Henry Boyer, right, a Jordan Anderson, even though I think Anderson is, uh, some teams made mistakes in not offering him. Um, you know, those are players that didn't have other Power Five offers that they think fit what they want to do. Um, so obviously, we'll come back in three or four years and grade what it looks like, but. Uh, I think it's it's a Bielma class. I, I am not too shocked, but I think there's some really encouraging things. And then we'll see with, with wins and with a couple years of being able to develop relationships if they can start landing uh, some of those headliners. But uh, it's pretty typical Bielma kind of recruiting, right?
1: Yeah, and I think if they can avoid that cliff that's coming on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of that talent goes away next year as they graduate or move on. If they can avoid that cliff and ride through that, I think they'll. They've set themselves up well to have success two or three years down the road. But as we've seen, it, you know, especially when you're trying to rebuild a program and with like Illinois, where recruiting competition is tough with a lot of other talented programs that that come to this area looking for for talent, um, you got to win early, I, and and it's tough to do. It's it's kind of a, a conundrum. You you have to win early, but the program hasn't been great, and so I think. It, if people understand that it's going to take maybe two to three years to to really get that talent in place, but you're building it with reliable talent. It's not tenuous. It's you're, you're building it with reliable talent, laying a good, solid foundation, giving it time to cure. Then you can build the house on top of that as things start to progress.
0: It becomes a lot easier if you win if you win six games this year right and, and you got a roster win, that, it, <laughs> winning winning is the best recruiter ever yeah um oh, ryan so we're about to crack open our beers on a saturday night about do you th- to. do you, oh he already does what, what What are you drinking uh well i don't have any miller
1: in the fridge <laughs> i was gonna um, ask
0: do you think bielma's cracking up in miller's right now
1: uh, he's, he's cracking something <laughs> um uh no i got i got an all-day ipa here but i'll probably probably go pour myself a little bit of bourbon here in a, in a little bit so
0: and our white Sox are about to beat the astros actually so that's kind of nice saw,
1: ba- ba- back to backers earlier uh timmy anderson cranked one to right field gavin sheets just hit one as well six
0: nothing so we'll go, uh, in the go fifth grab and... my trash can and start hitting it <laughs> all right ryan appreciate it as always man have a good saturday night. All, right, all right thanks jeremy thank you to ryan eastwing and and he wasn't kidding and i wasn't kidding We need one of these uh, after the week that was and uh, the weekend that was. So uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed that, a two-pod day here at Illini Inquirer. And please follow our podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a rating and review. That always helps us as well. We have a bunch of analysis up on the site right now at Illini Inquirer, what it means, uh, analysis from Ryan. We also have quotes from Sean Miller from our guy Bri- Blair Angelo out in uh, the Mountain West region who's uh, known Sean Miller since he was at Arizona tearing it up there and now obviously at IMG Academy. So we got all the latest there. We got more on basketball coming up as well. So you can always go VIP at Alana Inquire for $1 for your first month and later this week we'll have a pretty good deal for you as well if you want to sign up for a longer term deal. So stay tuned to Alana Inquire for all of that. But everybody have a great weekend. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Online Choir Podcast.
1: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition.